Welcome back to another episode of the Hoops Temple Podcast. We kind of start our conversation just chatting. We move from there to the Western Conference contenders, and we do some trades talk. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. hate about the final two minute report is I watch a game and I feel you know I feel the way I feel after a game whether that's good or bad or whatnot and then like a day later the two minute report comes out and it's like oh no this team got robbed or that team got robbed or you know did either you guys get to watch the Warriors Celtics game a little bit so the final two minute report came out and basically said that Brogdon fouled pool that uh, Horford had a three-second violation, that Tatum had a three-second violation, um, and, like, all of these calls that went against the Warriors in the final minute, and, and the Celtics were able to come back and force overtime and then win the game. And it was like, man, we feel entirely differently if the Warriors actually win this game. That's, like, a really signature win for Golden State. But yeah, that's, that's, that's like, reestablishing them as contenders if they can come out and play up to the best team in the league. There was a report yesterday, I think it was Nick Nurse essentially was told that he could challenge a jump ball call if he called a timeout, and one ref told him that, but another ref said that that couldn't happen, and so they just took his timeout. It just feels like the like the law and order of what the ref is doing is more important than like the, the flow of this game. Like, hey, let's make sure we get this right. Yeah, I don't have too much else to say other than, does that change anything in your guys' mind about the Warriors being... Title contenders. Where are we at with the Western Conference title contenders? You guys in on the Aaron Gordon for All-Star train? Are we there yet? Yeah, I mean, Gordon's like performing at such a high level, but so much of it is like really dependent play. So it's like, how much can you really value or like reward this guy for being like a really good player at cutting and like getting open when Jokic is going to find him the ball? Like the defense is pretty awesome. Um, He's always been sort of a good defender, but... Like, how much do you really want to reward a dependent player just because his team is good? Yeah. I will say, him playing the backup five has been fantastic. He at least gives, like, something similar to what the Nuggets normally do with Jokic being the passer and the playmaker from that five-man position. And so it allows them to, like, maintain the same offense. Whereas when you go with DeAndre Jordan, it's like, okay, now we have to completely rework Everything. Yeah, now, now you can't do anything except run, pick, and roll because that's all DeAndre Jordan can do. I, I was looking at Denver, and they do have about $10 million in expiring salaries. How would you feel if they flipped Ish Smith, uh, Jeff Green, and maybe another pick or something? Um, probably a couple of second rounds for like an Alec Burks. Just someone to give that bench scoring a little bit of firepower. Maybe another ball handler or because... We'll see how Bones holds up in the, the playoffs, but I think that could be a really big move. I like Alec Burks. He was in the Kings for a little bit. I'm an Alec Burks fan. <laughs> um, he's actually been playing really well. Like, There's this weird phenomenon that you get in Detroit where because all of their players are so like young and raw and like in general, young players are quite actually bad at basketball, that like when you get Alec Burks as just like a you know, like a reasonable rotation level player that he's just like so much above their normal play. And they like actually get really good at offense and they put Alec Burks in. Um, but yeah, I do like Alec Burks, especially as a playoff player. Um, when you start trying to project like playoff rotations and like I was just saying, 
where you wonder whether Jokic as not a great defensive player who limits your you know your defensive versatility. Um, Michael Porter is is similar, and I wonder whether he becomes such a liability that you've got to get another guy in, and then who can that guy be? And Alec Burks is a guy who's can shoot, who can handle, um, and has reasonable size. Like not a great defender, but reasonable quickness, reasonable size. He can hold up. Um, whether a guy like that could actually be a really good option for them. Because at the moment, there are other options, like you said, Nate, as you go to Bones Highland, who hasn't been shooting amazingly, is really small, so there's a defensive liability there as well. I feel like he's just got these long arms, like just forever arms. Yeah, but he's like a point guard defender, and then uh, yeah. you know, unless you want Jamal Murray defending wings. Um, well, real quickly, according to 538, Bones Highland is a plus 1.2 on offense and a minus... 2.5 on defense, which is really, really bad on defense. Um, they they don't get that high though in um in Raptor, right? Like, what's the worst in the league? Like a negative five? Uh, that's the worst on the Nuggets, and that tells you something. Ah, <laughs> well, <laughs> might be similar. He's in he's in the good offense, bad defense quadrant, but he's almost in the bad offense, bad defense quadrant, which is a little concerning. But the Raptor numbers are different than like the 538 straight up plus minus stuff. Um, he's young. He's young. This is not an anti-Bones podcast. No, he's no, but just host. the the point on whether they can be contenders does fall back on can you trust Bones Highland to play that that backup point guard minutes? And maybe you can, but could you entertain a, a Bojan Bogdanovic kind of trade? Do they have the assets to go get that? And how far does that push them going forward? He he is the ultimate playoff wing. I mean, he's not a not a two way wing, but he's a great wing player. I mean, that just comes down to, are you willing to give up Michael Porter Jr.? Well. (laughs) Not that that is what you would get for him, but they have this asset that you could get a lot for. uh, And I'm not entirely sold that Porter Jr. is going to be a star. And I'm not sold that he won't be. Because his offense, his catch and shoot is great. Um, and defensively, he's not good. He's out of position a lot, but he's got the length to make up for it. I don't think I'd move him for a, a Bojan and Bogdanovich type of deal, but, you know, if you did, I think that does make them better, at least this season. Who's throwing in what on which side? I mean, the Pistons have been talking about being willing to part with uh, Sadiq Bay. I mean, if you could get Bay, God, Bay is only making $2.9 million. Here's something interesting. I just got the notification that Porter Jr. is not playing tonight for personal reasons. Personal Personal reasons. Personal traded. Yeah. (laughs) Personal reasons. I'm really sad because I'm traded after this game. Personal reasons. He is uh, contacting realtors to move to the trade market. (laughs) Yeah. Due to a personal reason of being on a plane right now to Detroit. Do you want to know what the trade machine thinks the impact would be for the Porter for Burks, Bojan, and Bay trade would be? It's got to be positive for the, the, the Nuggets. Well, the, the thing with that is that, like, Bojan on his own is pretty close in value to Porter Jr., but then you also get two really good bench players, so it's got to be, like, plus five wins at least. I was going to say six. Plus nine. Ooh, that's a huge, that, that's a huge trade. Um, then there has some really weird defensive metrics when it comes to Jokic. So, for some reason certain metrics like i think including raptor think he's like the best defensive player of all time yes of course (laughs) yeah like i have to assume it's due to just like 
them being having a really bad bench and him getting like some on off shine or something. The best defensive player in the league right now, according to Raptor, is Alex Caruso. So I'm in favor of this. I was really hoping you were gonna say it was Jaron Jackson Jr. So that way we'd have that nice smooth transition to our next team in the West. But before we move past Denver, are we saying contender right now? Contender with a trade or pretender? I'll say contender. I'll say contender right now. It's a good fucking team, man. I'll say they are a really good regular season who has a lot of players that are flawed in the playoffs. But 2015 Warriors vibes. I'm going with contender. So that brings us to the Memphis Grizzlies, the number two in the West right now. A very young team. I I was going to use our transition earlier of non-traditional playoff players, but they have like a really good team in concept. Uh, I watched them play the Lakers and their streak-breaking in-game. And I got to say, even though it broke the streak, like... Memphis looked really good, and they were doing some really smart things. Anytime Ja would drive, they'd usually rotate. It would either be Bain or Brooks up to the top of the key, and he'd start backpedaling to half court. And it just like took away the Lakers' fast break like, for half the game. Uh, it, was, it was a really smart like pre-planning defense. How do you guys feel about them? Do you think they're contender level, or is this just cute story? I, I appreciate the Grizzlies. I said this last year, and then they got works by the Warriors, but in terms of their physicality, in terms of their confidence, it doesn't feel like they can get gimmicked. They're going to be able to roll over this style. I, li- I like their physicality. With, with Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., they're not going to be bullied by anyone, really. Their defense is actually pretty fun. How good is their defense? What's their defensive rate right now? It's literally first. I'm a fucking idiot. Sorry. It's first in, it's first in the league. <laughs> I'm, a weak, I'm a bit behind. Yeah. <laughs> And looking at their like most played lineups, so their top five played lineups, which is um every lineup that's played at least a hundred non garbage time possessions, their worst defensive lineup allows a hundred and seven points per one hundred possessions, which is extremely good. Like league average offense in the last like month has been like one fifteen. Well, I'm gonna get you on the other thing that you said. Do you remember when they played the the Warriors in the playoffs? They were up. In that series, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, no, they were. But not didn't Jock ja, ja gets hurt? Doesn't he? Yes, they were tied. Uh, Jock ja gets hurt in game in three. Do you want to know what Jaw's stats are? He plays three games that series, and he averages thirty-eight points per game, eight point three assists, and six point seven rebounds on like sixty-two point three percent true shooting, and gets hurt in that third game. Like, that's wild. I think they're good, but I'm just, I'm worried. I don't think they have enough playoff experience right now. I think with our our categories that we laid out of contender, contender with a trade, or pretender, I think they could be a contender with a trade, but without it, I'm not sold on them yet. I like them as a J Crowder destination. I feel like their biggest weakness is like the backup four. What are the Suns even looking for? They're looking for J Crowder. Well, it's it's a little bit difficult because they've got three different owners at the moment. So, like, they're probably looking for, like, you know, each of the three different owners and then the GM want different things. So, they, you know, you got, you're going to satisfy four different people. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies are better for, better than Jay Crowder. I like the versatility that Crowder can bring and the playoff experience. They are also still sitting on Danny Green, who is recovering. Well, and, you know, maybe if Danny Green even just comes back healthy, I feel differently about them because then he has that playoff, that championship experience 
to be in the rotation and calm the guys down. I, I think he needs to be playing, though. Yeah, uh, like, he gets a lot of shit because he's kind of a streaky shooter, but he was, like, absolutely huge for the um, the Lakers championship run. You guys remember when he almost won finals MVP? I do not. Oh, gosh. I think it was... All right, let me, uh, let me pull this up. But he had one year with the Spurs... Uh, and it might have been was the, it the Tony Finals MVP? I think it might have actually been the 2013, and they ended up losing it. Uh, so we never had to have this actual conversation. Yeah, but you could have right. never convinced anyone uh, but, to vote nice. for Danny Green. <laughs> Dude, I could. Hey, Andre Iguodala got it. I can tell you from watching this series, this was like the. Are we really about to give Danny Green this? Yeah, he starts out the first five games of that series, but he's averaging 18 points per game. On 56... 18 is like 25 points today. On 56% from the floor, but 66 from three with 7.6 attempts a game. This guy was just, I mean, 25... Seven attempts from three per game. 7.6. Damn, Make, that's, that'd be like 15 today. Making five of them. And it was just completely out of nowhere. And there, there was this legitimate yeah. talk of like, oh shit, is Danny Green about to win finals MVP? And also an All-NBA defender at that point, too. Yeah, so maybe he just is the answer. I'll watch the Kings Grizzlies game tonight, and I'll tell you... If you get the guy that played and... And I'll tell you if they need Danny Green. After they violate us. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Which is a perfect segue into the next team. (laughs) If Harrison Barnes goes off... Kings are the third seed, guys. You can't avoid it for any longer. You can't dance around this shit any longer. Get to it. <laughs> I was Get literally just it. going to pull up the standings and be like, who's the third? All right. Sacramento, third seed. A team with potentially two all-stars. The the superstar, the dynamic duo. Fox and Sabonis. Contenders. Contenders with a trade or this pretenders? This is a pretender. We're not that good. Don't, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> The strength of schedule has been extremely easy. Um, we have beat those teams, I think, at this point. I, I think being like the sixth seed is totally in reach. Um, and obviously, that's incredible. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You're sitting in the three seed, and you're like, I think we can be the six. I think we'll only lose so much that we'll fall to the sixth seed. Yes. Not to bash on Fox, but we have, we do have a... He's a negative plus minus when Fox is on the court. Fox is really cool. He's a fantastic player. But if he doesn't make the all-star team, I'm not going to come on here and be like, I'll piss you about it. He's pretty good. Come on, give me your fucking King's take. Stop dicking oh, around. Dylan, I, yeah, Dylan, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, giving you the, the room to discuss your feelings about that's a bonus. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty much, you know, Aaron hit it on the head in terms of what I believe as well, where like... You can be a really good regular season team by being like the best offense in the league and terrible at defense, but in the playoffs, you kind of have to be at a certain level on both ends. Like one-way teams don't really succeed in the playoffs. I mean, you're a top top five offense and bottom five defense. It's, you know, that's like a first-round exit kind of team. I'd be so fucking happy <laughs> if we lost in the first round. But I think what's interesting is before the season, we had talked a lot about the Kings and gone back and forth and all that and had our heated moments. But what's really propelled the Kings is this offensive push. They're so good at offense, and that's really what this season has been about. 
the shooting around Sabonis. Sabonis just stands there with the ball in all these off-ball actions, and it's really been impressive to see with Barnes and Herter and Murray. It's it basically impossible to, to cover all that ground. Yeah, the Kings in the last two weeks are the number one offense in the league. The difference between them and second is the same difference between second and 15th. Like, their offense, last two weeks, 132 points per 100 possessions is absolutely insane. And Malik Monk is barely a, a, a basketball player anymore. He's shooting like 32% from the field. I'm trying to figure out if there is a trade that I think could take them into contender status. Because they do have some really good things going for them. I, I, I think I saw you get asked on TikTok about moving Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes for Paul George. How does, how does Dylan feel about that? I mean, I don't want to break up the team. Yeah. What if what if it's Bradley Beal? He's so expensive. He's not that good. He is so expensive. He is not that good. So no. But there you Sabonis, go. That was good talk. <laughs> well, I just think... I'm trying to think about how to get you guys more star power, more firepower, how to consolidate some assets. The Beal-Sabonis combo is going to give up 120, but might be able to get you 130 with that screen setting and that movement shooting. Possible. My biggest fear, not just in basketball, but in life, right, right below sharks, will go second biggest fear because I'm terrified of sharks. Really? But my biggest fear is that the Kings go all in too early. And we're like, all right, this is it. This is the core. Harrison Barnes, here's $20 million a year. And, then, and I don't know what the price on Barnes is, but just to buy into this core too soon, don't be too loyal to this team just because they started to win for the first time. Don't be afraid to make those moves to get better. Yeah, I mean, this is a really good time for them to make a move. Um, they've got all except one of their first round picks. They've got Harrison Barnes, who's making $18 million in expiring money. Like, they're going to have to pay him um, if they don't trade him. And so there is an opportunity to go out and add some depth. Would like OG Ananobi do anything for you? We're talking about they're the worst defense in the league. Why not get like some good defenders who can also contribute offensively? The thing is, I would love that if the price was like Barnes and two first. But there's no way the Raptors are agreeing to that. Yeah, and and you have to go out as well because you're um the one pick that you owe is a 2024, so you can only trade six and eight. And if I'm getting Sacramento Kings picks in 2026 and 2028, like those have some real value. OG still has a few more years on his contract. I was pulling that up because I was a little bit worried that he was just going to become a free agent and then like immediately walk away. But yeah, or, or get like $35 million a year. Yeah. Because I mean, the, the Raptors could probably re sign Barnes for less than $18 million. I can't imagine that he's going to command $18 million in the market. I, I'm definitely a pretender. But I think we could get a conference finals with a with a good trade. If you're able to, to make get the momentum going and with an awesome offense, you can get hot and win a playoff series. That's the highest expectation I've ever had, I would have, is like, can we just catch fire from three and beat and beat one team? You know, beat one team. Maybe it's maybe it's the Mavs or something, and Luca has a weird series. Or he averages fifty five points against us. But right. well that's that leaves us with one and a half contenders. Some people might say two. We're counting Memphis. How about the Pelicans? How are we feeling about the Pelicans 
as a contender status? New Orleans is um quite hard to judge because it they it seems like whenever I turn into a New Orleans game, I've actually seen quite a few of them. Um, there's always like one of their guys missing, at least. Like you never get Zion and Ingram and CJ. Like it's always got to be just one or two of those guys. Um, and so they're like a little bit hard to judge. Yeah. But the fact that that is true, that you know one or two of their three best players have been out, you know, pretty much the entire fucking season, and they're still the four seed. Um, kind of bodes well for making a run if they can get healthy. And, you know, we we just talked about with the Kings, you can't get anywhere unless you're a top 10 offense and defense. And that you just gave the numbers. That's exactly what, you know, New Orleans are. Um, I think this team is one that could really make some noise if, if they can get the right matchup. Um, if you don't have anyone that can stop Zion, and there aren't a lot of players who are well geared to stopping him, like, it gets really hard to to defend. Um, and, like, maybe Zion and, and Valanciunas and CJ can be taken advantage of on the defensive end, but there are guys like Alvarado and, um, like, Herb Jones and even Dyson Daniels, who, who's been good defensively with versatility, and then they go their closing lineup with Larry Nance, and you get even more versatile, um, especially on the defensive end. Like, I definitely think this is a team that could maybe not be a contender, but could win a round, could maybe win two rounds. I did just check. Ingram has been out since November 25th. So it is not just feeling that. Out of the 20, or sorry, out of the 46 games the Pelicans have played at this point, Zion has played in 29, Ingram in 15. CJ's been the most consistent, being there in 41. Uh, I guess Valanciunas has been there in all 46. Uh, and Najee Marshall has played more than I care to see. I can't quite figure out how I, I can't quite figure out how I feel about him or uh, uh, Trey Jones because they both are like long, athletic wings who should be good at defense, but aren't quite there yet. Like they're fine. They're they're not bad. They're like average. They are like league average defensive from the eye test. Yeah, I've I've made this joke about um about Najee Marshall that like he has like no strengths except literal strength like he's not a good shooter he's not quick he can't really dribble um but he just like goes out there and and plays hard and like he's tough and that's really like all he gives you but it's like it's it it can be valuable if you've got the right pieces around him like it's not a guy you can take advantage of um on when he's defending and like he has improved and he's making some plays um, but Trey Murphy, I think, is the big standout player for these guys this year. Like he's making all of his threes. Like you said, Nate, he hasn't turned the defense into um, a real strength yet. But with the size and, and athleticism, I definitely think he he can get there. Um, and we were just saying, you know, in the playoffs, there's a type of player that you need, and that's a guy that can make open shots and not get taken off advantage of defensively. I think Trey Murphy is a guy that can be in a playoff rotation. What's interesting about the Pelicans is you run into two schools of thought, which is they haven't been healthy. We don't know how good they could be. And they've already been really good without this continuity. But also, you really need like a good month of all your guys playing at the same time. You can't use a second round playoff series to reintegrate Brandon Ingram or get McCollum his touches back or try to get Zion the ball in these spots. You have to hit the playoffs in stride 
I don't know if the Pelicans are going to have that chance, but I still love their build. I think I think I would I would say that they they're still contenders. Their theoretical starting lineup has played two hundred thirty-two positions together, and they're plus ten. CJ, Brandon, Zion, and Val have played a total of a hundred and twenty minutes together, and are only plus five, plus five point eight. No, it's it's so little time, and, and I'm trying to look at the trades, and we just mentioned OG's name. I don't know. I mean, Trey Murphy might actually really interest the Raptors. He is a long player. Like, he fits their style. I, I don't think that they are contenders right now just from lack of experience. But I think they could be with the, with the right trade. You just get enough, enough talent. This, this is a team that has the assets to make a trade. Like, they still have all of their own picks, and they've got some Lakers picks still. They've even got a fucking... They've got a, some Bucks picks from Drew Holiday. Um, like they've got a lot of assets that they can make a move if the right move presents itself. Absolutely, those Lakers picks are, are priceless. But something I love about the Pelicans is they can attack you in so many ways if fully healthy. If your interior defense is bad, give Zion the ball sixty-seven times. If you can't guard big wings in the perimeter or tall wings, Brandon Ingram's going to torch you. If your guard defense is really bad, here's CJ McCollum. And they have some nice defensive specialists, Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, to kind of cover up on those guys' lack of defense. But it's just a super versatile team. Same thing with Valanciunas. Throw, throw him in. And if you can't guard huge centers, like you're going to get torched. Exactly, yeah. If, if, you, if you play small to try to be versatile enough to defend the other guys, like Valanciunas is a fucking beast of a man. Like he will get every offensive rebound in. You know, Valentunas post ups aren't my favorite play, but if you've if you're playing a six foot nine, two hundred and twenty pound center, like Valentunas is gonna beast. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the matchups. Like against the Golden State Celtics game that was played a couple of days ago, Horford kept getting you know Andrew Wiggins on him, and against Wiggins, Horford is a post beast and kept like hitting shots and then doing the too small, which. Can we just stop with that? That's just the <laughs> dumbest thing ever. How else are you supposed to signify that the person guarding you is not tall enough to guard you? Maybe it's just because I've always been the undersized person trying to... Like, like I remember uh, guarding a guy with a D1 offer, and I'm like, I'm 5'9", he's 6'10". Why, why am I guarding this person in the post? Like, this is a bad, bad day. Um, so... As a 5'9 power forward, you don't like to see the too small no, gesture? No, it's hurtful. <laughs> I want to mention something really quickly. I don't know if these games finished before we started, but the Heat beat the Pelicans, and the Clippers beat the Mavericks, which brings the Clippers yep. closer Kawhi, and closer. Kawhi continues to own Luka Doncic. Kawhi's averaging like 30 points per game in his last 10. I made a video a few months ago saying Kawhi was done. It's fucking stupid. That's just yeah. We 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 can't beat anyone except the Mavs. There you go. Just play the Mavs. That's the that's the only game that we play it that we play. Clippers are a half game back from the five seed. Well, and speaking of the five seed, and speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, they are (laughs) both of those things currently here. Is Dallas a contender? Can I can I just start with one question? A, A simple one word answer from both of you. Who is Dallas's second best player? Dinwiddie? Christian Wood? Yeah. And, like, Christian Wood has actually been pretty reasonable for them. Like, I hated the move because, like, I didn't see the fit. The difficult part is he's been good, and 
they either have to trade him or pay him. And when I'm the Mavs and I'm 16 million into the tax and I don't have any help for Luca already, like I'm not trying to pay Christian with $25 million a year. And so they're in this awkward position where maybe their second best player is a guy that they have to fucking trade. We had talked about this and I, I had mentioned this on TikTok in the, the preseason video of the Mavs being like, hey, losing Jalen Brunson really hurts. Like that guy was really good. Mm. And all the comments are like, oh, Luke will be fine, and this will be fine. But in, instead, you get Luca just speed running at record pace, the the first stint in Cleveland LeBron timeline. Yeah. I mean, he's burning through it. Yeah. And we're already, we're five years in. He, he's pushing, he's pushing that pace. Well, there's, I, I was kind of in that camp because I was like, this is an overpay for Brunson. But I, I think Brunson's lived up to that contract. Um, the the other thing that I thought was that Dinwiddie and Tim Hardaway, the junior, we're going to be able to provide you enough of what Brunson did, and they haven't done that. They've been kind of rough. And another thing that I missed, we're just laying out all the things I did wrong. Luca's twenty three. We all know Luca's twenty three. Dinwiddie twenty nine. Hardaway Junior thirty. Christian Wood twenty seven. Dorian Finney Smith twenty nine. Powell thirty one. Reggie Bullock thirty one. Maxi Kleber, 30. Like, the guys that they're playing, outside of Josh Green, who I want to see Josh Green get more minutes, but, like, they're yeah. pretty much all 30. And so by the time, like, if you keep this core together, in two years, they're 32 to 33, and Luca's starting to hit his prime, and they're all on the back end. It's kind of like what Giannis is seeing right now, where his teammates are falling apart, and he's like, guys, I'm, I want to keep competing for championships. Yeah, and it's it's hard to, you know, change that as well because of the length that these guys are signed in. So you were just mentioning all those players. Hardaway, three more years. Bertans, three more years. Finney Smith is on a four-year contract. Cleaver's on a four-year contract. Like, you, you can't pivot out of these guys. Like, you've locked yourself into them as well. I have no idea what the next move is for Dallas. It's really hard. You have this once-in-a-lifetime talent and I, I truly, I truly don't see the the next step. Yeah, and and they they like gave up a lot of assets to get Porzingis, and that was their big move, and it didn't work. Um, they don't even have their pick next year. It, I think they have it this year. Uh, other way around, they don't have this year. They do have next year, and okay. so like next year, they are freed a little bit from the Stepien role and can move some first round picks. But like. This year, they, they can't really do a lot. They've got one pick that they can move, and it's like, do you waste that now to get marginally better, or do you you know, call the season a write-off and waste a year of Luca's prime? Um, and crazy to say prime because he's 23 years old, but waste a year of Luca's prime and reassess next year when you've got some assets to move. I don't know what other choices you have. I mean... Yeah, that that in this awkward position, right? Because if we're categorizing them, we're probably saying contender with a trade. Like if they can get one or two more pieces, they've got the number one guy that can carry you through the playoffs. But they also don't have any assets and they've got a whole bunch of negative money. There was a recent rumor that Luke was pushing for the the Mavs to trade for Jimmy Butler. And like... I'm, with what? You say with what? But Butler's... 33 years old on with four more years going to be making $50 million at 38. Um, I don't think that this is actually going to cost as much as much as people think. 
Yeah, but it would cost something, wouldn't it? It will cost something. Okay. I just I, I think like Butler's a little bit difficult because you run into this thing where like his objective value and what the heat would actually take for him because of what he means to like their team construction is different. So like if I'm the heat, I'm not getting rid of Jimmy Butler for Tim Hardaway Jr. and Davis Burton's negative money and one first round pick. But would you do like, it? I'm not blowing up my team for a first. Would you do it for uh, Wood Hardaway? And it actually looks like they've got a few more first round picks because they're um, they don't have this year's pick. But they do have 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29. So this is, they only have the one pick left outgoing. So, sure, I think they have one more. I mean, what I'm looking at is saying just that one. Yeah, so so you, you they've got 23 outgoing. Because they've got 23 outgoing, you can't trade 24 because then you run into, into Stepien. Um, but you, could just... you could do 25 and 27, but... If you 29. wait, yeah, but if you wait until the off season, then you can do four, six, eight, which is a little bit nicer. Four, six, eight. Yes, I see you're looking at. And 30. Yeah, Knicks have their pick. They also owe a 23 second, a 24 second, a 26 second, a 28 second. The Kings have two of those. I have no idea why. Yeah. R- raking in the Mavs second rounders. <laughs> Treasure <laughs> trove of assets. <laughs> I think there's one more team out west. Mm, two more teams. Well, the sixth seed right now is the Golden State Warriors. That's an important one. I mean, they are last year's champions. I, I we, Dylan, do you have the the spreadsheet of when we last discussed who we were going to say we thought would all make the championship? Because I feel like several of us chose the Warriors. There's no, there's yeah. no way Dylan wrote that shit down. <laughs> <laughs> You're both. Correct. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you you are both correct. I did not write it down, but I know at least I picked the Warriors. There we go. And I, I don't think I was entirely alone. I have no idea. Right. So how are we feeling about Golden State? Their bench, really everyone outside of their starters has been kind of abysmal. Like if you don't play with Curry, you're not playing well. Well, they have kind of recently figured out a Draymond Green without Curry lineup that is yeah, working. That's, that's the key. Steph Curry is on that team, and they have really good defensive players around him. Do they? I'm, I, they're 23 and 23. I'm scared. I, I'd still be scared. I'd be terrified. Do they have good defensive players around him? Wiggins and Green are still okay. plus defenders, and Kavad Looney okay. is still a plus defensive player. And As long as James Wiseman doesn't see the court, they're fine. Is there a Wiseman trade market like at all? Could you get anything? No, he's too expensive. Uh, can we get Wiseman for Burks? You could do like I don't know, like the Charlotte, some desperate team, like for for Plumley. No, Mark Williams against the Rockets this week. Dude was throwing everything down. He got spun around in the air and hit like a reverse layup. Uh, they they don't want Wiseman. They got Mark Williams. Yeah, but it just. A- a, a solid veteran for a flyer on like the second overall pick who is basically unplayable how about like wiseman for josh richardson that's another one where the money works and 
you know, the, the, the two teams don't really need what each guy gives you. But then you Why has been Moody and Kaminga could have gotten you 2009 LeBron James before the season started? And, and now it might get you, like, I, I, I couldn't even, I can't even, I don't know, half of Bradley Beal. The, the value is, isn't, isn't there at all. The Warriors need there to be value. Because they are trotting out lineups, trying to get anything out of some of these guys. And it it's rough. Like, Ty Jerome was initiating offense in the fourth quarter for them. Yeah, they're, they're quite banged up at the moment. Most teams that have won as much as they have, or won titles at all at this stage in, that, in their career, I guess seven years, eight years after the first championship... Uh, usually that river is run dry. The team was completely different, and all the pieces are there. The Warriors have it's all it's all different around them. It's still Steph and Clay and Draymond pools there now, but the young core didn't come through at all like we were really anticipating them to do so. And going back to the trade idea, before the season started, it was like, can the Warriors get KD for these three guys and a few picks? Like, is that the, the value here? Is this a fair exchange? And, you know, I'm sure Warriors fans were like, no, we need the young guys to build around. That would have been the worst trade in NBA history. Those, the Warriors' young guys aren't that good. It's also really hard to develop talent and contend at the same time, especially when your your record is whatever, and you're like, holy shit, I don't want to be in the play-in. Yeah, I mean, this point has been made before, but the whole Warriors two timelines thing, um, you know, you sort of get to make like a comparison to a player like sometimes you want a guy who can score and can defend and you end up with just like a guy that's kind of mediocre at both and that's sort of like what the warriors are where they're like not quite good enough to be like a clear-cut championship contender although i do still think they're a, a huge problem in the playoffs but they're also like not good enough to be a contender after this era and so i think you've got to like pick a pick a direction and if you can still get value for, like, if, if you can get just a role player for Wiseman, then do it. Like, if you can get value for Moody and Kaminga, who, um, you know, showed a lot of promise, I think, in, in the in the playoffs last season, but, like, are playing behind fucking Anthony Lamb. Like, you've got to get what you can for these guys because, you know, Anthony Lamb's been awesome, but I don't think he can be in your closing five in the playoffs. Are we officially out on, or no, I guess not out on, are we officially the timeline of if Draymond Green could get traded? Is that dead? There's no way they do that because for a lot for a while that was kind of brewing. Like, hey, this is gonna be expensive. It's like a fi- it's a five hundred million dollar um, trade waiting to happen because the luxury tax is, is so ridiculous. That's that's gone. That's gone and dead. No chance. Yeah, the the Warriors cannot trade Draymond. It's just what he's meant to this team thus far. You gotta gotta keep keep him around because Wiggins has not been able to take over. Wiggins has not been able to be a consistent secondary offensive guy. I know he's been hurt. He's just kind of getting back into the swing of things, but Murray needs someone else. And right now, the, the Warriors have five playable guys. I guess six with Poole, but even even Poole he's not that good. Rough, and I know he's the not that metrics. good. Yeah. I, I was kind of trying to see if you could trade him to anyone. Um, and he, his contract's poison-pilled right now because he's got that massive extension. And so it's 3-point-something million going out, but the other team treats it like $20 million coming in. Um, 
So that, that basically means you can trade him to two teams right now. And that was the Spurs and the Pacers. <laughs> Poole was really expected to kind of take over as as Curry slowed down, Poole's going to take over. But now it's Curry playing as good as he ever has been and Poole kind of playing like shit. The 538 has Poole as a negative 0.5 offensive player and a negative 1.5 defensive player. He just hasn't been that good at all. It's like the death of the Warriors. You're seeing what's going to kill this this run is they have this bad player on a bad contract. Yeah, I mean, like he, he's been good filling in um, actually recently as a starter, but he was supposed to be the guy that would fit, fix all their bench trouble and he wasn't able to do that. Um, and like, like you were saying, Nate, Draymond on the bench has been the way that they've been able to actually succeed. Or Draymond not on the bench, but playing with the bench guys. Um, when Draymond and Steph are both off, they're a negative 11. Steph off, Draymond on is, is in the positive. Um, and that, like, that's not Jordan Poole that's doing that like he was supposed to. Yeah, when he plays with Curry, he looks good. It's like when Curry's running around as the distraction, you can look... I mean, it just makes everyone else look better. But when Curry goes to the bench, they still... They struggle. They they can't seem to find the offense. I mean, the the overtime against the Celtics, their offense kind of just evolved into, hey, Curry's going to run around. We're going to try to set him up for shots. And the Celtics were like, cool, we're going to leave Draymond open and double off him. And then when Curry gives up the ball to Draymond, then we'll swing back to Draymond. But it's only whoever was doubling Curry, and someone else is still going to chase him. And it was... It got really mucked up. Um, I want to say they're contenders because they they have the thing that I've been saying this whole podcast, which is, have they been there before? Have they done it before? Um, which they have. So I, I have to put them in the contender status, but I feel real shaky, and I'm not sure what the trade is, but they desperately need something. Yeah. Do you think like a like a kind of a low-level trade, like, like I was saying, like Josh Richardson or... Maybe they can get like a three-way trade and get Jay Crowder or like um, uh, like Eric Gordon, you know, like something like that. Do you think that is a, a difference maker for them? I mean, I would be honest with you. I've watched Jay Crowder and Josh Richardson play the same amount of minutes this year. <laughs> Who knows? It could be anything. I'm going to say contender with a trade. I, it's the Warriors... We've seen him do it. I doubted them heavily last year. I'm not going to make the same mistake again, but I can't imagine this iteration winning another championship, going back to back. Because the last year that their bench was, they were able to, to go go to that bench and, and have success. And I, I can't imagine the Anthony Lamb minutes in the finals against Boston. It's Malcolm Brogdon just giving Anthony Lamb 45. I mean, really, it's like, hey, could you get a Bruce Brown level? Could you get Alex Caruso? Like Gary Payton the second? Like just something. I don't know. Maybe you think the Bulls if the Bulls go blow it up, Wiseman for Caruso? Yeah, I mean, like even if the Bulls don't go blow it up, because I, I think if their pick, if it's top four, goes yeah. to Orlando. So they can't do they can't blow it up. They can yeah. be bad, but not too bad. Um if you're the Bulls, you're like, okay, we're probably not going to be one of the worst teams, but also, like, let's try to swing this into something different. Alex yeah. Cruz is not getting any better. Maybe you get something good out of, out of Moody or um, Kaminga. I think I just want, I, I want a little bit more size or height, like, because if you're playing Caruso with Curry and potentially also with Poole, yeah. like, you, you can't play all three of those guys at the same time. That's just yeah, you, you so You can't small. play Kaminga at all. 
So all right so i think contender contender with a trade I'll, I'll just say briefly um i'm still a big believer in the warriors like i don't want any part of them in the playoffs um the starters are still plus 20 like i was saying the bench curry off draymond on is in the positive as well um i do think like you were saying like i don't want anthony lamb as the you know the main bench piece in the playoffs so i think one more like reasonable level of player, just like a Ford who can kind of shoot and defend. Like I do think Jay Crowder in some sort of three-team trade or even like Eric Gordon um, like would would sell me that this is a legitimate championship contender. Because the like the, those those five guys are still really good. If they could get Patrick Williams, like they, they can't get Patrick Williams, but Patrick Williams has been absolutely phenomenal this season. I've been doing my... 40 plus point game night series for TikTok. And so I've had to watch a lot of Chicago. And I don't like watching Chicago. Um, at least not when DeMar's playing. They're much more fun when it's Levine and Ayo running the ball. But Patrick Williams is like really actually solid on defense. Like good thick body, but can also guard smaller players. Like, I don't know. If you give up a 20, 27 first round pick unprotected, does that? Is that enough to entice the Bulls, maybe? I don't think so. I think Patrick Williams is one of these guys where their potential is so incredibly high that to get, like, you can't be thinking of them, uh, like, you can't be thinking of his value that he's going to give you right now because you're going to have to give up so much more for him than what he's able to give you. Yeah. Like, he is, like, a nice 10-point player who, who can play some reasonable defense, but they the Bulls are going to be treating him like he's, you know... Kawhi Leonard like they're gonna need a huge return for him because like he can still get to that point like he's a big wing with some skill that's an incredibly value incredibly valuable um prospect yeah all right well in the seventh seed in the west we have the Minnesota Timberwolves but I'll just watch the Minnesota Timberwolves need a 40 point night from Anthony Edwards to beat the Houston Rockets and I think when you need a 40 point night from your star player to beat the Rockets like the Lakers have needed that that's a good sign that you're not in the contender conversation. So any objections to skipping them and moving to the Clippers? Yeah, the the Timberwolves are not a, a contender. <laughs> like if they, if they can win a series, we I'll didn't think they were contenders. If they can even get we the didn't play think they were contenders in. before <laughs> the season started. I mean, we, we were like, oh yeah, fifty five wins or fifty two wins, but contenders. I just did. Yeah, but first round exit. <laughs> All right, so Clippers then. Go ahead, Dylan. You got the floor. 15 minutes. ISO. <laughs> um, we, we started with the Nuggets, and the point that I made is that in recent NBA history, there's been a formula that wins you championships, which is good defense, big wings who can score and defend. And the Clippers have, and also like switching and versatility and size. And the Clippers went all into that model. And it has been disastrous in the regular season. Um, they're one of the worst offenses in the league. Kawhi and Paul George can't ever stay on the fucking court. Um, the defense has been good overall, 
but it's actually really fallen off in the last couple of weeks. Like they've been really bad, maybe even like this entire month. They've been a bad defense and terrible offense. Um, this is a team with maybe a move to make. Uh, they've got too many guys. They don't have any, don't really have any first round picks they can move. So you wonder what that, that kind of trade is. Um, there's a really smart front office that does get the most value and an owner that will pay whatever it takes to improve the team. Um, but I think that they've really made a bet on this historic precedent of the way that you win in the playoffs being switchability, shooting at all five positions, five out, big wings who can create. Um, they've gone all in on that. It hasn't been the recipe to regular season success. They they cannot create good offense without, you know, that they need a point guard, really. Happened to Jadwa. Um But, <laughs> Joel, yeah. Um, but if what we're seeing in regular se- in, in recent playoffs is that in the playoffs it comes down to your best guy against the other team's best guy and being able to switch is incredibly useful because it devolves into ISO and pick and roll. Um, this is a team that's built for the playoffs. It's just a que- question of whether they're built for the 2023 playoffs or the 2021 playoffs and how substantially different those two things are. I still would be terrified. I honestly probably rather play the the Warriors than the Clippers, just because that the Paul George Kawhi thing, especially with how Kawhi's been playing in the past few weeks, is just that that's insanity. And, and they just got way better with John Wall getting hurt. I think things are going to start to pick up for them. I would love to see them that's make a reference. move for a real point guard. I don't think Reggie Jackson's going to be that for them. I'm not sure who that is. I haven't really thought about who the point guards are in the market, but yeah. When you say that the Clippers don't have a lot of first-round picks, I mean, they don't have any at all. I don't have ideas, but I have positive thoughts. Um, the Clippers beat Dallas the, the day we're recording this, uh, so those numbers haven't hit basketball reference yet. But he, have, he got 30 points and played 39 minutes over his six prior games, which, because it's Kawhi, I need to add the context, were the Clippers' last seven. So he's played played in seven of the last eight. You know, that's... It's one inactive. It was a back-to-back. Sure, he doesn't play that. Um, but those last six prior to this, this Mavs game, he's averaging 30 points per game. He's averaging 36.5 minutes per game. He's got good shooting splits. You know, 50-50-90 over those six games. Um, I, I was in the same camp with you, Aaron. I was ready to call Kawhi not quite dead, but at a different stage. But I think I think he's fully rebounded. I think he is back. And I think if you have an MVP candidate and you have not that he'll be in the MVP conversation, but those numbers, those this play is MVP type level, or at least all NBA type level, and you have depth around him, which the Clippers do, it makes a lot more sense. Instead of having Marcus Morris trying to create initiate the offense. Now it's Kawhi, uh, and, and in theory, Paul George, although George has been inactive recently and not good in the games that he's been in. Um, but like I, I saw Kawhi go toe-to-toe with Embiid and kind of go shot-for-shot shot with him, and I was actually pretty proud of Embiid. There was no flashbacks, no PTSD from the like, five-bound shot. Like He kept kept it going, but you know, Kawhi, Kawhi went against the superstar. He went against Luka. Uh, back on the tenth, and you know, went shot for shot, but late in that game, in with him, and 
I think when you've got that level of superstar play, it feels weird to say about the eighth seed, or I guess they jumped up to the sixth, and so this feels better. But I do think the Clippers are, as currently constructed, uh, a contender. Yeah, a, a lot of, like, the story of the freaking last five years for the Clippers, like, a lot of it's going to come down to health. Um, but like you're saying, Nate, Kawhi being back to being a really good player, um, the Ringer have this pretty cool thing they've got um, sort of a dynamic top 100 players list, and so they, they move guys up and down. Um, they've currently got Kawhi at 22. Like, if Kawhi can get into, like, the 10 range, uh, which is not unrealistic with how he's been playing recently, then the Clippers can really make some noise, and, and if, if Kawhi and Paul George can be healthy. Um, if he's the 22nd best player, then, like, maybe not. Was there anyone else in the West that you guys would consider in the contender conversation? either currently constructed or contender with the right trade? No. No, but I'll tell you my favorite buyer candidate at the deadline, which is the Thunder. I have, <laughs> they have so many assets. And they're at this point, That's, I think I, they could easily push for that play-in spot. Why not start winning a little bit? You're not going to catch up. At this point, you could lose every game for the rest of the season. You probably still wouldn't catch up to Houston. Yeah. Like, I've looked at this for the Thunder as to, like, trying to find improvements for them. Um, the hard part for them is that they're actually quite expensive, but they don't have any guys that make reasonable money that they're willing to trade. And so they're, like, way over the cap. They don't have space. But, like, their highest salary that's, like, a tradable player is David Waba's $5 million. Um, Or maybe you could say Dort at 15 But, like, Shea, Chet, Giddy. Like, their most expensive players are guys that they're not willing to trade. They don't have those sort of middle-sized contracts that they can use to, you know, create matching salary. So it's really hard for them. Look at Dylan, ruining my fun. With <laughs> bullshit, on the bullshit <laughs> things like <laughs> cap space and salaries. The, the reason that I know that is because I had that exact same thought. Like, I, I went through and did the exercise. I was like, man, the Thunder have all these assets... They're really good. They've got a really good coach. The players play well. They've got a superstar. There's no point in tanking because Shea's too good. Like, let's buy in. Let's make some moves. But they just can't, like, trade for anyone because they can't make up the salary. We will figure that out off air. But, gentlemen, where can the listeners find you? At Possible Chairs on TikTok. Make basketball videos. You can find Dylan defending Danny Green in the comments of my videos. Oh. <laughs> uh, you, you can find me in the um, overstated NBA group getting 15 likes on a meme. Nice. And you can find me here uh, at hoopstemple at gmail.com on our TikTok, hoopstemple. Uh, basically, just type hoopstemple into the universe and I'll appear like Beetlejuice. Like Shazam. That's Shaq movie. That's a good movie. We can speak and let's pop the brakes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>